much love him. He is great. He is mighty. I love you, Jesus Christ, and I thank you, Lord, for this day of life and strength and good health and heaven's many, many blessings, oh God. You are worthy, O Lord. You are worthy. You alone. All the thanks and all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. Name that's above every name. Great name of Jesus Christ. Let's give our God a big hand. Oh, I thank you, Lord, and I thank you, Lord, and I thank you. You have a Bible this morning. Why don't we turn to Matthew? Matthew's account of the gospel. Good to have each and every one here. Thank you, dear God. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. And of course, I'll begin, let me begin with verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, and then go to verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I want to try to minister for a little while this morning on God investors. God investors. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. I was uh, speaking with one of the saints this morning, and they were telling me that they're where they're at. They're trying to finish reading the Bible all the way through. And, uh, I myself am uh, almost finished with it. I'm I'm in Second Samuel, so I have First uh, and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles, which is a bit of a mouthful. And then uh, I'll be I'll be done. I have read it through one more time, and it's a great book. I tell you, great book, forever jumping out at you. And grabbing your attention and squeezing your heart. Oh, yes. And uh, I'm also reading Revelation in another Bible. I'm, I told you, I'm all over the place. And uh, I, uh, in Revelation chapter 17, you know, every, John, I don't know how he didn't get confused because every time he turned around, he said, and I saw another angel. You know, another couple of, and I saw another angel. And, another, and I saw another angel. I'm like, boy, you need traffic control, you know, air traffic control going on there. You got them flying all over the place, and they're all telling them something, and it was, it's marvelous, I'll tell you. But anyways, chapter 17 of Revelation. Thank you, dear God. And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, come hither. I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have have been made drunk 
with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didiest thou marvel? <laughs> That's kind of a funny question when you think about it. Wherefore did it? You're seeing all that, and you're seeing it in living color, you know, because only God can give it to you. And the angel's wondering why you're marveling. He said, I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her, which hath the seven heads and ten horns. The beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit, and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. And here is the mind which hath wisdom, seven heads of seven mountains, on which the woman sitteth. And when the seven kings, and there are seven kings, five are fallen, and one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he is come, he must continue a short space. And the beast that was and is, even he, is the eighth. And is of the seven, they produce him, and goeth into perdition. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. These have one mind, and they shall give their power and strength unto the beast. Verse 14, These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and they that are with him. You know, you got to get with it. Are you with it? All right. I told you, somebody told me the other day, it's a scheme pastor, I'm rolling with you. <laughs> so, I want you to roll with me as I roll with Jesus, okay? And he saith unto me, The waters that thou sawest, where the whore sitteth, are peoples, and multitudes, and nations, and tongues, or languages. And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh, and burn her with fire. For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will, and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast until the word of God shall be fulfilled. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. As you read, and I'm not, I'm going to stop reading. There's not a whole lot to read, of course. But in chapter 18, it just continues and rolls into, and you begin to uh, grasp that there are people that are certainly all about this world, and it tells you how that they got rich, and how that they uh, got the rug pulled out from under them, because all of a sudden, it's time, a great and a mighty angel proclaims that Babylon has fallen, their systems will fall, their kingdoms will fall, 
everything that they have given themselves over to is going to come crashing down. Uh, in 1929, there was a tremendous crash in Wall Street and uh, the stock market crashed. There were people that literally jumped out of buildings to their death and committed suicide because they lost everything, because they invested everything, and they lived for their money. But you know, the Bible tells you about an individual representational of many people, thankfully, that, um, and, and, and the revelator said, and I saw those people, and he said, and there were, it was a number that no man could number. It was a multitude of people. And, he, and the question was asked, who are these and whence did they come from? And he said, these are they which came out of great tribulation. It was hard times. It was adversity. It was trying times. It was difficult times. Isn't it sad when, you, when people still uh, refuse to grow, if you please, in grace and knowledge, and they're trapped by age-old uh, humanistic thinking, and they feel that the church will never experience any kind of hard time, that there will be no such thing as great tribulation for the church, and that there will uh, be just a, a going out of here, uh, just so simple and so easy and so so out of here, and, and that it's just going to be the Jewish that are going to undergo such hard, difficult times, but a so-called Gentile church will be raptured out of here. And of course, then they have to invent that there will be another rapture that will take place, and that will be for the Jews. Of course, nobody ever says and supplies what that plan of salvation will be if the Gentiles go out, if there was such a thing as a Gentile church, which you have never read in the Bible, but you have read that we're, whether Jew or Gentile, we're one in Christ. You have read that. That there's one body. You have read that. You stay with that Bible. You stay with chapter and verse. You stay with subject matter. And you don't be cowed or, or in some way feel put down because people would ridicule and make fun because somehow or another they're sticking more to something that's not in the Bible because of tradition. And you better understand that having the truth, people can still have their own personal traditions. They can still preach their own, and teach their own personal things, when in reality the Bible forbids that. And it's most disarming and alarming to see people continue on in, in falsehood. Uh, they will get extremely upset with people who uh, believe in more than one God, and they will point out where that false doctrine came from and who's the one behind it. And, uh, and they will uh, bring many scriptures, and rightly so, teaching that there's but one God, and his name above every name is Jesus Christ. And that it is, it is scriptural and proper in the church, the body of Christ, only baptized one way, and that was in the name of Jesus Christ. And it was for the remission of sins, a full pardon of all sins, because the blood is in that name. And that name is where you want to be baptized in that beautiful name above every name, so that you can have your sins forgiven and washed away and remembered no more. Isn't that marvelous? That God said he's not going to remember them anymore. He's ready to pardon. He's going to put them as far apart as east is from the west. How great you can bring all your dirt 
And God said, I'm going to take it off your hands. I'm going I'm to clean up your life and your soul. And uh, let's be reasonable. Let's reason together. God is saying, you know, though your sins be as scarlet, he said, I'm going to make them white as wool, you know. And then, and then comes that hard part of the verse when he brings up that snow. That's hard for us Southerners. A lot of us haven't even ever seen snow. And so we're not too sure what, what that means. But it's, it's trying to give you something that is, is, is a, a purity, a pureness. And uh, when snow first falls and it's unblemished, it is so pure and so beautiful. And, uh, and you'd have to experience that to uh, understand what I'm saying. But uh, nonetheless, the Bible teaches that God will make everything just that pure in your life. He'll bring an innocency into your life. He will, he will scrub your heart and your conscience and everything will be made new. And you'll be a born-again son and daughter of God and you'll be a part of the body of Christ. And by one spirit will you be baptized into one body, which is the body of Christ. And it's neither Jew nor Gentile. It's neither bond nor free. It's neither male nor female. But we're all one in Christ. How glorious. And, you know, people want to say those things out in this world, but they want to try to claim it without the born-again experience. And Jesus said, you must be born again of water and of the Spirit. You must be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. And you must receive the free gift of the Holy Ghost. And amen and amen. Without it, you cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. Doesn't matter if it's your mother, your father, your aunt, your uncle, your double first cousin, or whatever. It's everybody. It's the same for everyone. And there's no way around it. That's, that's coming in through the door right there. And Jesus said, you try to go some other way. He made it plain. There is no other way. There is no other way. He has a plan. He has a program. His word is forever settled in heaven. And everything in the Old Testament was a shadow and a type and a preview. And it was all designed to bring us to Christ. And so it did. And so it did. And as he, in the days of his flesh, when the fullness of time was come and the Spirit overshadowed Mary, and Mary brought forth that child, and in that child was the fullness of the very God bodily. No longer was it going to be in an ark of a covenant dwelling between uh, two cherubims. No longer now. Now he's come in the flesh. Now he's going to walk among men and women, boys and girls. And he's going to raise their dead. He's going to heal their sick. And he's going to forgive their sins. And he's going to demonstrate that to them, just as he did when they brought a man uh, that they couldn't get in the house. It was so full and so packed. And uh, so they broke up the roof. And they dropped him down by ropes and set him right there at the feet of Jesus Christ. And the Lord uh, promptly set about to forgive his sins. And, and that brought about a great umbrage, a great offense among the people that were there. Who is he, especially the religious people, shall I say, who is he to forgive sins? And Jesus began to demonstrate then, what, you think that, that's such a difficult thing. You would rather see it your way. You'd rather that I give you a demonstration of healing. And so he did. He went ahead and told the guy to get up off your bed and everything's cool. Everything's fine. And, and how marvelous it was. So the man went away with his sins forgiven and he went away able to walk and talk and leap and jump and live a normal, happy life. And I'm trying to tell you something. God has many great things in store if we will trust in him, if we will bless his name, if we will look to him, if you will invest in God, put your life in God, put your soul in his hands. And as I was going to say that the, the individual, the Bible said that he 
scoped out a piece of land. And it, it wasn't the land itself. It was what was in the land. And what was in the land was a pearl. And it was the pearl of great price. And, of course, it represents this truth. It represents Jesus Christ's truth. And so he went and he sold all that he had. Now, doesn't that remind you of, of Jesus, a man come, a young man, a rich young ruler coming to Jesus Christ? I guess he had generational wealth. It was handed down to him. And here's this rich young ruler. And he, um, he comes to Jesus and he says, uh, Good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And the Lord said, Well, how readest thou in the law? And so he, the young man said, wanting to justify himself, he said, well, I've, I've kept all the, the law. I've kept all the commandments. I've, I was raised up to do that. Well, just because you're raised up to do it and just because you've been told and just because you've been exposed to it doesn't mean you're doing it. But anyway, this, this young man claimed that he was. And, and the Bible teaches that the Lord was drawn to him and had a love for him. And aren't you glad that God loves us? Aren't you glad that he loves our children? and that he loves those that are all around us, and, and that his love is so great and so marvelous and so wonderful and so forgiving. And uh, he, he looks, what did the song say? He looked beyond my faults and he saw my need, you know. And I'm so glad he sees the, the heights to which he can lift us up and ignores, shall we say, and overlooks the depths to which we find ourselves having sunk into. And he reaches into the horrible pit and he pulls us up out of there and he saves us from the misery of and the horrible life that we've lived and the lifestyle that we've given ourselves over to, that kind of, the Bible uses the word conversation, and it's not a verbal thing so much as it's a style of life, and this is the way we've been living. This is how we've been walking and talking and doing and acting, and it's become our lifestyle, and we get addicted to certain lifestyles, and, and this individual who said, I'm going to go sell all I got, and here's this young man, and, and he's, he's in the same predicament because he has the same opportunity, I should say, because here's the Lord say, loving him and, and feeling such a pull towards him and tells him, sell what you got. Give it away to the poor. Come follow me. And uh, the Bible teaches he, he just wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. Let me tell you a, a true story. These are all true things I'm telling you, true accounts. But let me tell you a, a true account, and uh, I believe she still lives over in Palm Beach. And, uh, but she was a, uh, a secretary, and uh, she wasn't overly skilled. But she got a job that two men were starting a business, and they couldn't pay her. They were just getting the business off the ground, and they'd invested everything they had in it. And they just didn't have any money to make payroll. They didn't have that many customers yet. Their product hadn't quite come to that kind of uh, notoriety in society. You know. So they weren't being run over with customers, you know. And so, um, but every week, she said, well, just give me stock in the company. And so they did. They paid her in stock in the company. And uh, so she was investing in the company. 40 hours a week minimum that she worked and uh, never got paid, not, never got a penny, but she, not in, in currency, but she got paid in stock because she said, I'll, I'll, I believe in what you're doing. 
I believe it's going to be successful. So I'll tell you what. You just, you just let me invest in your company. You just pay me stock. I'll take that. So every week she'd get a, a stock certificate and how many shares she would have in the company. Well, bottom line is that company was called McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, ooh. <laughs> yeah, ooh. <laughs> I want to tell you, though, there's something a whole lot more of an opportunity for you right now that you may not be seeing all of the things that you feel like, well, I wish I could have that and have the other and have the other, especially now at holiday season, going through the mall and, that, and, and the outlet mall, wanting all those different kind of things. And you know you ladies like those purples with those big letters on them and all that kind of stuff. You see that color on it, that little morning. Yeah, I know you like to do that. I know you like to do that. But, um, but uh, you know what? You, you need to listen to that fella. You need to learn from that account. Went and sold all that he had. Said, I'm not going to live that lifestyle anymore. I'm going to repent about that lifestyle. I'm going to tell God I'm sorry for the mess of a life I've got and the mess I've made out of it and taking advantage of so many things. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop that. I'm going to sell out of that. I'm going to repent. That stuff is going to be gone. And I'm going to come and give myself to you, Lord. I'm going to get that you, the pearl, of great price in my life. I'm going to invest in that. And I may not be getting paid so much right now. I, I'm gaining, though, in my stock certificate. I'm, I'm Just give me stock, Lord. You ever read in the Bible about the root and the stock of Abraham? Let me, let me just have a little of that stock, Lord. Just keep pouring it on me, Lord, because I know one day, friend, this thing is absolutely going to be worth priceless. It's not going to be able to put a price tag on it. Not billions and not zillions and not gazillions. It's not going to be able to. It's priceless. And you know, that woman got in on McDonald's when it was cheap to buy in. Cheap. Cheap, cheap, cheap to buy in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, if you had to, you know, be a little different, man. But uh, you might want to get in the body of Christ while the getting in is good. Because there's never going to be any cheaper because he paid the price. He did everything. He's provided everything. And he looked at that rich young ruler and he said, just, just go sell what you've got. Sell out of that junk. And uh, it's worthless. It's going to come to nothing. You're going to see that, that market's going to crash. And people are going to greatly regret having given themselves over to that. And the market won't be limited to just crashing. It doesn't, it won't just be in, in New York because now it's so interconnected globally. And the time will come when it will, it'll all fall. Read your Bible. And they're going to, the Bible said they're going to throw dust up in the air. And they're going to rend their garments. And they're going to, to cry alas, alas. Because where we were made rich, it's all gone. It's all gone. But for the God investor, 
for those that yielded to God's authority, blessed are the meek, yielded to the authority, the divine authority of Almighty God. Go and sell. Go and sell. Yeah, and come and follow me. Follow me. Follow my teaching. Follow my word. Learn my chapter and verse. Worship me. Praise me. Live for me. Because there's a day coming when everything all around you is going to crash and burn. But my church, I will call them up hither. My church, I will first resurrect them out of here. And I will bring them unto me. And I will have a supper. And I will take care of them. And then I'm going to return. I'm going to bring them with me. And I'm going to fight the battle. And I'm going to win the battle. And they're going to behold the victory when I destroy him who has destroyed this earth. I want you to know that, and I'd like to give you a, a little something I wrote down for these God investors, that you make up your mind that you're going to invest in the things of God. And, uh, but said you're blessed when you're content with just what you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves happy. Happy owners of everything that can't be bought. You can't buy this with the currency that this world deals in. Dollars, cents. You're not going to be able to buy it with rubles or marks or yen, none of the currencies, not even the European common market currency is going to work. Though they're trying to put together a system, seven heads and ten horns, they're going to try to put together a system that will enslave this whole world and link it all together. And uh, they're going to, believe me, they're going to enslave this world. And they're going to control this world for one man, the Antichrist. And people are going to be exposed. The church is going to be exposed to his wrath and his destructive ways. And uh, the sooner that people adjust themselves to that biblical reality, the sooner they can begin to prepare themselves to be ready for that time and that moment when the devil, with his wrath, going to and fro throughout the whole world and linking people together, people that are going to have his name and his mark and his number in their right hand or in their forehead. And they're going to enslave themselves, if you please. They're going to follow this beast-like system, and they're, they're going to feel that the beast the system is so great that who could possibly make war with him? But he's going to make a fatal mistake, that beast. He's that system because he's going to declare war against the church, against the Lamb of Almighty God. And I'm telling you, it's going to bring about 
a battle that will be his destruction. The Bible said he'll be broken without hand and without remedy. There will be no fixing what will take place with systems. But for the, the blessed are the meek, which are going to inherit the earth. They in, they're God invested. David, they did the rich young ruler didn't do. They, they bought in. They said, let me, let me trust in the Lord. Let me believe in his word. Let me give my heart to him. Had that rich young ruler done that, there's absolutely no telling what God would have imparted to him and how he would have used him and the blessings that would have been in his life. The contentment, because godliness with contentment is great gain. There are things that God gives to his people and his church. I tell you that there are people that have, you know, they're in the Forbes 500. They're among the richest people in the earth. And they, some of them live 40 miles east of us. And I tell you that they get sick. They're in hospitals. They're in hospice. They're in wheelchairs. They're hooked up to all kinds of wires and machines. Like Brother Paul was. In a different church. In a different city. They didn't invest in Christ. They've invested in all the things of this life. And now they're coming to that place where the Bible said you go the way of all the earth because it's appointed unto man once to die. And then after that, it's the judgment. And it's the, the people who didn't invest in God, just like that rich young ruler. I don't know if he was 18, just become a, a young man. Uh, but it, 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 it gives us that he's a rich young ruler. And, uh, and here he is with the opportunity of a lifetime. The opportunity of eternity. And the Lord said, go sell. Time to sell that and buy this. I think you know so much about the market. Well, friend, there's a, as, as Ecclesiastes said, there's a time to buy and there's a time to sell. And there's a time for this and time for that. And it was definitely time to sell. And the Lord didn't want him to miss his opportunity. Okay? Didn't want him to miss it. He said, you need to go sell that thing. Sell and buy this. Invest in me. It's the right time to do that. Because what I've got and what I'm giving, the day will come when it will rise to the highest height. And it will be that for the God investors, those who've invested, those who have put their hands in God, those who have trusted in God. And everybody said amen. Just like when that lady, only more so. Well, it's like when that woman that was getting her, her pay in stock. She was a happy camper 
when old MacDonald took off, you know? And suddenly, that which wasn't worth much of anything became worth a whole lot. She just went out and bought her a mansion <laughs> and settled in, you know? Well, Jesus said something about a mansion. He said, in the Spirit's house, my Father's house, in the Spirit's house, there are many mansions, many mansions. Some people think that, you know, he, when he said, I go to prepare a place for you, they think he's up there with an apron on and a, a hammer and a, and a nail. And, you know, he's. We're talking about the God that speaks things into existence, says Daniel. <laughs> okay. What he did was he went to Calvary and he made a place for you. He made a place for you in the church. In the, the church is not the building. It's the body of Christ. It's the body of believers. And uh, if you please, it's a corporate body of believers. And he is the head. And to have what they call chairmans of the board. And they have what they call strong chairmen. That's what Jesus is. He's a strong chairman. And I'm glad he's the head of the church. And I'm glad that he's absolutely saying, if you will go and sell out and come and follow me, I'm going to make you a ruler. I'm going to make you a king. I'm going to make you a priest of the Most High God. You're going you're to be a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. Everything I'm going to give to you is going to be priceless. It cannot be bought with gold. It cannot be bought with silver or any precious metal. It can't be bought with oil. It can't be bought with any earthly commodity. It, it cannot be purchased that way. All God wants is for you to whip out your faith credit card because faith is what he deals with. As it's written in Hebrews 11 and 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Well, let's turn that around. With faith, it is possible to please God. That's what he wants. He wants your faith. Amen. So let's set fear aside and replace it with faith. Let's use, you know, the Bible teaches that God hath given to every one of us the measure of faith. You have faith. He set it in your heart. It's something eternal. He put it there. Package deal. And uh, it came with life. And you got pops and you, ah! You're already there, just like this. Vital organs. And God. Gave you faith. It's time to quit misplacing your faith or misusing your faith or ignoring your faith. It's time to sell out of this world. It's time to cash out. Just step back from it. You know. What is one woman was taken in adultery? She was being unfaithful and she was taken. Caught in the very act 
They took her and they threw her at the feet of Jesus Christ. And they said, Moses in the law. And they were still living under the law at the time when Jesus was in his flesh walking on the earth. They were still under the time period known as the law. And they said, Moses in the law said that we should stone her. What do you think? They thought to trap him. They thought to tempt him. You know, people that think they're going to outthink God are absolutely insane. Step outside and look at the sky. Go out at night and look at the stars. You know, Abraham was told, count them. Got the calculator out. Can't do it, God. Can't do it. Can't do it. It's innumerable. How about the sand by the seashore? Can't do it, God. It's innumerable. God wants you to lift up your eyes. He wants you to think big. He wants you to realize that he takes something small and he's able to make it very large, very great, beyond our wildest dreams and imagination. He wants you to invest in him. He wants you to invest in him. To begin to put your life. That's what you have is your life. And no wonder it's written, what would you gain? You know, if you keep on investing in these earthly things, how are you going to gain your life eternally? There's only one escape route, and his name is Jesus Christ. He even asked them, he said, how were you going to escape the damnation of hell and hell's fire? Because I'm, I'm the door, and I'm the way, and I'm the truth, and I'm the life. You keep ignoring, you keep pushing off, you keep plodding on in this life, investing in this life. And you're going to be with that group. You're going to be with that greater number of people, with that unbelieving crowd. And you're going to be full of remorse and regret. Man, I could have caught him. And it was so easy. All I had to do was repent and get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And God said he'd give me the gift of eternal life, the gift of the Holy Ghost. He would give me the treasure in this earthen vessel. He'd put something in me. He would invest in me. You know, if you invest in God, God will invest in you. You want to be a God investor. Don't invest in this world, because I'm telling you, if I would read on for you in Revelation 18 to 20, you would see how the collapse of it's coming. It's coming. And they're gonna, the devil is going to the serpent, the great red dragon, is going to make them believe that that they're, they're going to have the greatest thing, peace and safety, and they're gonna, the world is going to wonder after the beast, and they're going to follow the system. They're going to think it's really cool and really great. They're going to look at the meek of the earth, and they're going to say, you're crazy, and you're stupid, and you're nuts, and you're out of your head, and why don't you get with it, and all of that. Well, actually, we are getting with it. <laughs> we are getting with it. 
We're getting with the program. We're getting with the plan. That works. Okay? So that when you get hit with sickness and infirmity, that you'll know him and you'll have invested in him. And he'll raise you up. Oh, yes, he'll raise you up. How many times did, did Jesus eat at the home of Lazarus and Mary and Martha? How many times did he visit by them? And they, they invested in him. They opened their home and their hearts to him. And then word came to him one day and his disciples that Lazarus was sick. So Jesus said, yeah, just wait a couple of days and we'll head on over there. They thought, man, we should go right now. But you know, God is all about timing. Timing. He, he has good timing. He's trying to tell you. He's trying to give you a little inside information here. It's time to sell. It's still time. We're still living in the church age. It's still called today. It's the acceptable time of the Lord. God is still, they talk about accepting Jesus. Why don't you try to get God to accept you? <laughs> okay. Amen. Just, just make up in your mind that I'm going to straighten up here and I'm going to repent. And God's going to, according to his word, He's going to forgive me. And, and it's going to give me an opportunity to buy into the great work of God. It's not going to take money. It's going to take my faith. I'm believing what he's saying. I'm believing his word. I'm going to step out by faith. You know, I'm going to step out by faith. And God's going to give me what I have needed. Just like when he headed on up to Lazarus. Martha meets him, and she's running at the mouth. If you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And there was the answer, staring her in the face. And she's just, you know, so given over to natural thinking. When all the while, she had the, she and her sister had the investment. They had made the investment. And that's when Jesus made his way, collected Mary along the way, headed on to the gravesite, and there's Martha still caught up in, in all the way of things of this life and the impossibilities. I'm telling you, God is amazing. And if you don't think so, step outside and look up. Look, look 93 million miles away at the sun. <laughs> okay? at the heavens that you can see. Realize how marvelously you've been engineered. And tell yourself, I'm going to invest in God. I'm going to put my faith in God. Forget all this other stuff that's going to collapse and fall down. A deceiver is leading people to believe in something that's going to fail. Is doomed to fail. It's, it's foreordained to fail. And he's just deceiving people. He's getting them to believe in something that is not going to be successful. And because uh, that's what he does. And then Jesus spoke the word. 
Arthur's saying, if you roll that stone away, he stinks. Four days he's been dead in that grave. And she said, roll the stone away. Get the obstacle out of the way. What is there in your life that you need to move out of your life? You need to roll it away so life can come forth. What do you need to get, you know, repented of? What do you need to, to get victory over? He'll help you. He'll help you move that stone. He'll help you move that obstacle, whatever it might be. I've seen people delivered from all kinds of drugs and alcohol, from lying, cheating, stealing. I've seen people delivered from those things. But they didn't have a desire to do that anymore. They didn't want to do that anymore. Not at all. Jesus spoke the words, friends, to call Lazarus forth. Friend, Lazarus came hopping out of that, that sepulcher, that grave site. He said, loose him and let him go. Because they would bind him with napkins and things of that nature in their burial procedures. And I, I've told before, and we saw, <laughs> ironically, we saw the young lady yesterday. We, we went up to the Fort Myers coast up there, Annabelle and Cap Stevens. Thought we'd take a few days off, our children were young then. And uh, we, we got there and got a phone call and didn't even hardly get the bags out of the vehicle. We got right back in the vehicle and drove over to the east coast and went to the hospital find this young lady with her tongue hanging out of her mouth, laying there hooked up, you know, matter of pulling the plug, or a matter of praying and believing God. And I, I can't even tell you how many years ago that story We saw her yesterday. Saw her yesterday. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Somebody, um, well, actually, it was Pastor Hopper. And I don't, I know, of course, John, Brother John Mormano, and I don't know who else was there that day, but they, they went over to do some work for that young lady. And they said the whole time they were there working, she was singing gospel songs. <laughs> she said, she's been going around out singing gospel Friend, you don't get away from this. And and you might as well realize you're not going to outrun our prayers. We're going to pray for you, and we're going to call your name before God, and we're trying to get you to invest. <laughs> invest in this. Invest your life. Invest your soul. Invest spiritual things, real things. This body's going to go back to it all up. I'm going to go back to the dust and went to temple. And before it has a chance to turn to dust, in a, in a moment, in a twinkling, your last breath will escape and you will 
your spirit to go. And it's going to go one place or the other. I sure want it to go to the right place. I want to deliver you to the right place. NASA can put you on the moon. They might even get you to Mars. And I'm not sure if they're going to join old Buzz himself and go to infinity and beyond. <laughs> but they can't go where the church can take you. Oh, no, they can't. They can't. They can't do that. The church can do that. Make an investment. Make an investment. Better, better go ahead and sell while the time is There was, in conclusion, there was five that were pronounced wise. That's only five. And there were five that were pronounced foolish. And uh, the difference between the two, they both had physical bodies. They all had physical bodies. They all had the word of God. They had it. It's referred to as the lamp. And uh, the difference being the wise were wise because they had the born again experience. Okay? They had the born again experience. If we get cold, stay with me. That's okay. I just realized what you're wearing. I didn't know if you had fleas or if you were cold. I don't know. Okay. All right. I'm working here, folks, so you know I'm not feeling the cold right now. <laughs> I'm feeling the sweat. But anyway, <clears throat> the, the wise were wise because they had invested in God. They got baptized in Jesus' name and they got the gift of the Holy Ghost. The, the, the Holy Ghost is typified as the oil. Their lamps were burning brightly, and the word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, and that oil was keeping that burning brightly as they went on in life. The foolish, they were too busy. They were like that rich young ruler. They went away sorrowful, and that's how he went, because he, he was all about the possessions. about the things of the world. I see people in the in the in the mall or different places, just walking, post office, anywhere. I don't know what it is, but I mean I, I use a phone because I want you to be able to get me and I want to be able to get you. But I don't walk around staring at my phone all the time. It's like if you don't have anything else to do stare at the phone. It's unbelievable. People, you know, and of, and of course, don't forget the buzz. Okay. And uh, one gadget after another, and I'm, I'm not knocking at all, I'm just simply saying you observe. And there are people that they want every gadget. They want every new look. 
every new thing. And they chase it, and they chase it, and they chase it. They're going to get it. You know, I'm going to tell you what. I've had people that don't have any money. People get what they want. Somehow, and I hate to say by hook or crook, but <laughs> somehow they do it. They do it. I needed to give a guy to get him to get on the road, and I had to get some cash, and the bank was closed. And, and uh, I mean, I was breaking piggy banks open. I was looking for every dollar bill I could get, and I, I finally got it. And when I gave him the money, I said, well, I got it. I said, I, won't, I, I can't tell you it was by crook, but it was certainly by hook. <laughs> I said, I hooked everything I could hook, and uh, here it is. You know. And so I'm simply trying to say that, that uh, people, they're going to do what they really want to do, and they're going to acquire what they really want to acquire. They're going to do that. I've seen it time and time and time again. You know, people can do what they want to do. And I'm trying to tell you to become a God investor. Do that. Do that. Do that. Yes, do that. Trust in the Lord. Do that. If you don't get anything else accomplished in life, if you do that, you're accomplishing the most important thing. The most important thing. Because, again, we're all going to go the way of all things. And that last breath will leave you. And if what you've invested in that time is going to determine your final, eternal destination. Okay? Final, eternal destination. And you know, I, I, I think one of the things that's going to make hell so unbearable is that for all eternity, you're going to see my ugly mug preaching at you, knowing that you had that and you sat and you heard and you heard and you heard and that you had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. That's where the Bible said that people will be beaten with many stripes. I think I mentioned that last week. Because your memory is just going to pound away like a whip and just beat you, remind you of how many times and how many opportunities and how you'll be thinking, I meant to and I was going to and, you know, and I was so close. And the foolish were right there. They were right there. And the oil was right there. You know, oil right now in the gasoline oil is at a very good price right now. It's low. A barrel is about $70, where heretofore it's been averaging $100. Consequently, we're paying about a dollar less at the pump. Instead of paying $378, we're able to pay $278 at the pump for a gallon of gasoline. So the point is that the market is in our favor. And I'm trying to tell you that the oil of God Price right now. All you have to do is bring your faith. All you have to do is say, I'm going to repent and I'm going to get baptized in Jesus' name. I, I walked in, the guys went to play um, paintball. That's why if they look funny, different colors today, that's why. And, uh, but I stopped by, 
and I thought I'd just say hello, but they were already out, I guess, in the woods, crawling through the mud, or whatever you do. I don't know anything about it. But when I went in the little hut, and, uh, you know, they were in there, and I told the guys, you know, they were all weird looking in there. I mean, weird looking. And uh, I, I said to the guy, I said, I was just kind of looking for some of my young people. I said, I said, I guess they're probably already out there. And he said, yeah, they're all out there shooting each other. I said, okay, great. It's what the preacher wants to hear. And so I said, uh, he said, but we haven't had anybody get killed here in 10 years. Oh, well, that, that's good. That's a good record. I said, it kind of reminds me of, I said, you know, when I baptize them, I said, I always bring them back up. I said, I'm batting a 1,000. And he looked at me and he said, that's good. He cracked up laughing, him and a couple of them. And, uh, you know, you got to get the gospel in there somehow. And so you can't be afraid to, to do that. you got to tell them. And so uh, he said, sounds like you're a man of the cloth. So anyway, I'm simply saying that the foolish, they missed it. It was a time to buy, and they didn't buy. They just didn't do it. It was not a time to sell because they went to the wise, and they said, give us of your oil. Give us some of what you got. But you see, it was too late. You know, the rocket boosters were fired up, and the whole thing is getting ready to go. Procrastinating, putting off, putting off, putting off, putting off. Until you put it off. You don't do it. Do it. Be a God investor. Be a God investor. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those that, let me just say it this way. Blessed are those that hear God's word and obey it. They yield to it. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are, who God's going to make you, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves happy owners of everything that can't be bought. You can have something that cannot be bought. Trump can't buy it. They use his name. He's not the richest, but he's rich enough, and, and uh, he's a name you recognize. There are many higher in the Forbes Fortune list above him. And uh, he didn't have enough money. There isn't enough money. It's not a currency that God deals in. You could bring in a, a whole bank full of money, and God will ignore it. He wants your faith. He wants, your, he wants you to believe him, in other words. Take him at his word. Get the oil. Get the Holy Ghost. Get that. Everybody said praise the Lord. Everybody said hallelujah. Be a God investor, will you? Invest in that. Greatest day of my life, 45 years plus ago, when just a young man and didn't have nothing going for himself in life. 
felt like you did, but you didn't. Oh, man. And got the opportunity, a heavenly opportunity, eternal opportunity. Man, I'm so glad I took it. Just the grace of God, I tell you that. After these things, here we go again, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. He cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. You just don't know how nasty it's going to get. You just don't realize how unlawful this world is going to be. How out of control. You know, on the very first day of the church that Jesus, the only church Jesus ever gave birth to, and that church is for everybody, everywhere, every shade of skin color, every language, every dialect, it's for everybody. Every island, every continent. Yes, sir. That one church that he gave birth to, Peter stood up and preached the first sermon on that first day of that one and only church that Jesus built. And he said, you got to do your part. You've got to make the investment. He said, save yourselves. Deliver yourselves from this uncoward. That means ungovernable, unruly generation. And now we're in the end of things, and we are in the end of things, because that first day almost 2,000 years ago, that was called the last days. And we're 2,000 years further down the road approximately. So we're in the end of the last days. We're in the end of the end here. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication or her whoredoms or her unfaithfulness, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. They, they, everything was wrong, and they continue to do it in a, in a sinful and hateful and underhanded way. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. Be a God investor. Hell is going to be filled with people who refuse, like the rich young ruler, who refused to sell out. They just wouldn't sell out. They just didn't recognize their time and their opportunity. Like the foolish. And then the voice came, the bridegroom, behold, look, he's coming. And the Bible said that Jesus is going to come like a thief in the night. He's going to slip in and he's going to catch his waiting bride away and be gone. And this world will be plunged into total darkness because the only light, which is the church, will be gone. It'll be all over. There'll be no second chance. There'll be no other opportunity. Today, 
right now. Today means a period of time known as the church age. And I'm going to say known as the time to buy, to invest. You're living in that time. The window is closing. It's closing. Or, if you please, the door is closing. Here we are. And here you are. You can absolutely, you can buy in. Just bring what you've got. Only have a little bit. Bring what you've got. You know, the Bible talks about faith as the grain of a mustard seed. That's a small little grain. But the thing about it is it's tough. It's resilient. It's just stubborn. It just don't give up. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but you can put in all kinds of rock. You can even spray with all kinds of Roundup. And then you can cover it with asphalt or paving or even concrete. You just wait a little while. And you're going to see there's going to be some grass come up through there. Some of that stuff is hardy and tough. You know, and it gets its root down to the water level. And in Florida, that don't take but about four feet average, and uh, pretty soon it starts making its way up. Oh, yeah. You think of your faith. It's in there, and it's wanting to come out. It's wanting to fight its way through all of the silliness and immaturity and unbelief that you've covered it over with. And it's trying to burst through and say, it's time to buy. It's time to buy. It's time to buy. Be a God investor. Invest in Him while you still have an opportunity. Because there is a system with seven heads and ten horns that's wanting you. It's just wanting to swallow you up like, a, like it was in the days of Noah when that flood came and swept them all away. It just wants to sweep you away. I want you to get all kinds of enthused and caught up with everything of the inventions of this life. They're going to come to nothing. They're going to come to nothing. And Jesus is wanting to give you something that's going to take you to his dwelling place, to those mansions. And you go ahead and let your mind imagine any kind of mansion you want because heaven's going to be better in anything you can ever imagine, I promise you that. It'll be better. You can stand now. God bless you. It's been said, you know I've said it in teaching, that there's this thing called a basis of comparison. And I'd like to give you a true account in conclusion this morning before she sings and we worship. I was um, I was in New York. I was home from college for just a few days. I was actually dating senior sister Feld. She wasn't my wife yet. I hadn't gotten married yet. And I'd gone to see her and her family. And, and so the time came for me to leave and go back to college. And class was going to resume. And 
I went to the airport, JFK International Airport, and uh, it started to snow. And it snowed. And it snowed. And it snowed. Until you couldn't get in or out of the airport. It hit so hard and so fast, they couldn't even mobilize the trucks and the snow plows. And the planes could no longer land nor take off. So I was stuck, stranded at the airport. And I was at a place called Eastern Airlines, which is no more. But um, that's where I was at. And, you know, it had carpet on the floor, and it actually still had heat or some semblance of it. And there was still the different places you could eat in there. And, uh, you know, but I wasn't happy. I wanted, I said, man, if I'm stuck here, I want to go be with, with her. So I'm a, I'm a, but taxis couldn't go. Buses couldn't go. Cars couldn't go. So, you know, Mr. Smart, I'm going to walk. Okay, the airport is greater than 20 miles in circumference, just the airport. You know, I, I'm not thinking. Of course I'm not thinking. I, I am not dressed. I'm dressed for Florida. I was getting on a plane to come home to South Florida. You know. So I'm not wearing anything heavy. I don't even have a coat. I had a sports jacket. I didn't have boots. You know. Just had a pair of loafers. And I'm walking in the snow. And the snow is up to my kneecaps. And I left the comfort of that concourse of Eastern Airlines, the warmth and the comfort of the food. And I plodded through the snow. I'm coming to see you, honey. I'm going to get there. Fifteen minutes later, I resembled an icicle. You know? My feet were like blocks of ice. My nose was bright red. My ears felt like they were going to fall off. I was cold, bone chilled all the way through. So I turned around and walked back through that snow, trying to get back to that Eastern Airline Concourse building. And, uh, you know, in those days, it wasn't all one big connected thing, you know, when you had your airlines going. It wasn't that way. It was separate buildings. So I, I'm trying to get to Eastern Airlines, and I didn't make it. I made it to National Airlines. And they were the booty of airlines. It was, there was no carpet on the floor. People took newspapers and were spreading them out because people were coming in, and when snow is wet, snow is water in another form. <laughs> so, so, you know, they're coming in, and they're thawing out, and water is going everywhere all over the floor. And, and everybody's tired. There, there's no bed. There's no couch. There was barely any chairs. So people were just sitting on the floor, and then eventually get tired, and they were laying on the floor sleeping. And there was no heat. It was cold. There was no food at National Airlines. This is called a basis of comparison. It was 
I had it good. Why did I leave? You know? Eastern Airlines was plush compared to National Booty Airlines. Man. I'm trying to tell you. The basis of comparison. Now, I was very blessed because come daylight, I got myself out of National Airlines and I braved the snow again, but I got over to Eastern Airlines where they had food and they had carpet. And it was just altogether so much nicer. I was very fortunate because I was able to make the little change from one place to another. They even had telephones that worked. So I was able to call and say, not going to make it. And uh, so I'm saying to you in conclusion, there's no getting out of hell. You've got it so good right now. And you have such an opportunity right now. But the Bible teaches very plainly that there's no getting out. You wind up there, that's it. For time without end, the world without end. And it's coupled with every kind of torment, every kind of pain and misery. And your mind is going to beat you left and right in the memory because it's going to run through in living technicolor and remind you and remind you and remind you. It's going to remind you of your mother's prayers. going to remind you how many opportunities you had to buy in, to invest. And it wasn't going to cost you nothing but your faith. All you had to do was believe. All you had to do was say, I believe. I believe what you're saying. I believe this word. I'm going to repent. I'm going to bring all my dirt. I'm just going to dump it at the feet of Jesus. And that preacher's going to baptize me in Jesus' name. Well, I'm getting a little up there in miles, so I'll probably let Patrick do it. But yeah, I'm going to baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ. And God's going to give you the gift of eternal life. What do you say? Let's lift our hearts with our hands and sing and worship God this morning. God investors. God investors. You're going to wind up owning everything because the meek, the God investors, shall inherit the earth. Matthew 5 and 5. Everything they're selling their souls for, we're going to own it. Everything. Oh, yes. Yeah. Strongholds are broken. 
I believe, I believe, I believe. 